All right. This is another edition of the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast. This is Cameron Hager. And this is Tom McGregor. Um, for those of you that have just started listening, this podcast uh, exists to equip leaders at Door of Hope, whether they find themselves in whatever ministry, uh, for the work of ministry. We want to uh, have conversations that we think are helpful and good, hopefully useful for you listening uh, to, to equip you in the ministry you find yourselves in, be that community groups, be that children's ministry, be that outreach, wherever you find yourself, we hope this will be valuable. And today, of course, I'm here with Tom, uh, but before we jump in, let me have you introduce yourself a little bit, Tom. What what do you do here at the church? <laughs> or, what is it would you say you do? What would you say <laughs> you do here? I'm good with people. Uh, I do people stuff. Um, hey, my name is Tom McGregor. Uh, I'm the community life pastor for outreach and men's ministry. Awesome. Um, I don't know. I feel like I should I should start asking you guys like a personal question of some kind. What's what's one thing not not church or ministry related that you're just stoked on right now? Oh, uh, not church or ministry yeah, related. Yeah, I gotta narrow it down. Man, that's such a difficult question. Uh, I would answer with "The Good God" by Michael Reeves, but and that's personal. You know what? I'll allow it. Good, good, because it's an amazing book. I actually haven't heard of that, but I like Michael Reeves. Yeah, it's a hundred-page look at the Trinity and the implications for uh, for all of life, and it has blown me away and reminded me of things I forgot about the person that loved me and I love, uh, and it's been, I think, pretty radical for me in the last few months. So good, man. All right. Got to add that to the Amazon list. Um, okay. Well, we should jump in. The topic for today is what is discipleship? I'm sure that we will do more of these conversations around the subject of discipleship, but for this one, we just want to start with the bare problem of defining this thing that, that has seen so many different definitions. It's come in and out of kind of Christian uh, trendiness. Uh, I feel like right now there is there is a lot of conversation and talk around it. Um, everyone has a different methodology. Everyone has a different definition. Everyone values particular things about it differently. So we just want to try to get on the same page for Door of Hope as leaders at Door of Hope. How do we understand discipleship um, and, and start a bit toward how do we do it well. Um, and again, we'll follow up with more later on. Uh, but Tom here has been doing a lot of good work in this. He's, he's a student at Western Seminary and is part of his cohort program there. Uh, he's actually written quite a bit. He's been leveraging that school time to, to look into this question. And you ended up producing this really pretty thorough and I think really good biblical definition of discipleship out of your studies that I'd love for you to just unpack for us. Um, So first of all, what is the whole definition stated? Uh, It's an easily remembered phrase. (laughs) Uh, So discipleship, as I I understand it uh, in the New Testament, um, is a word that we've brought in. Uh, Discipleship doesn't doesn't actually show up uh, as a word itself in the New Testament, but, um, but we use it, and I think it's helpful, or it can be helpful if we understand it as just an umbrella term that talks about the holistic process of becoming a disciple of Jesus and becoming like him through the person of the spirit, um, by the guidance of, of his word and with one another. Perfect. 
Um, and I should plug, I've said, I said this last time, I'll continue to say it, there's also going to be a one-page handout that you should be able to download next to where you're listening to this on the Door of Hope website uh, that has all of this written out. Um, some of it's in more detail. Some of it's probably in less detail, but it's, it's a good thing to glance over. It'll have additional resources as well, but you can find a thorough breakdown of this definition there. For our purposes, I want to just break that phrase, that sentence down into four phrases and let you just explain a little bit what mm-hmm. you mean by that. The first phrase we'll look at is the holistic process of becoming. Sure. Um, so, uh, as you alluded to earlier, uh, discipleship often gets uh, emphasized in different ways by different groups. They really like that one-on-one meeting. Uh, different churches really love the uh, the teaching didactic process of like let's get a hundred people together in a classroom, and so I think that it's important to affirm all of those those methods, uh, but to remember that to to say it's either a classroom experience or it's not discipleship, or to say it's either a one-on-one meeting or it's not discipleship is just not true. So it's a a holistic process uh, that includes all of those methods. Um, And and it is a process. It's not an event. Uh, We make disciples and we grow disciples and we have become disciples and we continue to grow uh, Mm. as disciples of Jesus. That's good. So the second phrase kind of seems to narrow the, the focus of that process and it's the, the part the phrase is a disciple of Jesus specifically. Yeah, Why is that important? Yeah, I think uh, defining uh, the definition with a word uh, that is the word you're trying to define is usually a faux pas. Classic. Um, but you know, I didn't go to college, so <laughs> I can get away with it. Um, but I think it's important to to say disciple, which begs the question, what is a disciple, which we'll define below, but uh, that's a special kind of relationship. Mm. <clears throat> and and we are um, talking about a very biblical relationship with Jesus. Uh, we're not just, Jesus is my buddy, Jesus is my you know life coach, Jesus as homeboy. my homeboy, sure. <laughs> um, but but Jesus uh, and my relationship is primarily defined as uh, a disciple, um, or my relationship with Jesus. Uh, my role in that relationship is primarily defined as a disciple, and, and then Jesus has to be the focus. If um, if we make the error of Jesus is my teacher that teaches me to be a good person or shows me what the good life is, um, that's that's not the whole story, mm. but the very person of Jesus is the uh, the object of our affection, the object of our growth, um, and, and the person of our relationship. And then the next phrase really flows right out of that. So the last one was becoming a disciple of Jesus. The next one is becoming like him. Why, why did you include that phrase when you already had being his disciple right there? Um, yeah, so I think, um, there's a common error that, that I've seen just being a part of the church and that is, uh, a misunderstanding of the gospel that, um, I was messed up, God loved me, Jesus died for me, and if I believe in him, I go to heaven when I die. Mm-hmm. And 
there's just a massive hole between that I become a disciple of Jesus and then I go to heaven yeah. when I die. And, you know, that's go to heaven when I die is kind of bad eschatology anyway. But um, that becoming like him is part of that love relationship. And so a proper understanding of the gospel is that, yes, Jesus loved me before, um, uh, well, while I was an enemy uh, of God. And um, to grow in relationship with him means becoming like him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll you'll obey my words. Uh, In the Great Commission, he charges us as his disciples to teach people to obey everything he said. Mm. Um, So not only do we follow Jesus as his disciples, but we become like him as we follow him and um, enter into the mission of God. So that's that's sort of where this definition connects with our theological concepts of sanctification, mm-hmm. grace of sanctification, or spiritual formation. Yeah, just being conformed to the image of Christ here in this life, process that won't end until we're glorified with Him in in the new in the resurrection. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's really important that you added that. And now the fourth phrase. It's several phrases together, but we'll <laughs> group them together. It's sort of. Um, it kind of focuses on the agents that contribute to this process. And so you said this all happens through the person of the spirit, the guidance of God's word, the scriptures and one another. Mm-hmm. Why do we need the spirit, the Bible and the community? All three. Yeah. Um, I mean, in short, if we don't have all three, we're lost. Um, the The wonderful news of the gospel includes that God has not left us alone, um, but he's given his very self to us in the spirit who uh, lives in us and empowers us to grow into the image of, of Jesus, um, who uh, produces a new heart in us, um, who uh, gives us new desires, who... Um, just transforms our very being and allows us to actually live the good life. Mm. Um, so if we don't have the spirit, then God has saved us and, and told us good luck. Like you're on your own. And that, that would be a bummer. That would be a serious bummer. Um, but uh, if, if we don't have God's special revelation to us, his word, then we have no, no guidance outside of our feelings. Mm. And while the spirit produces new feelings in us um, and gives us a new heart and new deeper desires, we still live with um, uh, the tension between old desires, between uh, new life and, and the flesh. And so we can say with Paul, like, who will save me from this body of death? Because I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do. Um, And, and the word, guides us in that. I think the word for me is is the guide by which I understand what the Spirit is telling me and doing mm. in my life. That's a really good way to put that. Um, but uh, also, like, we don't live alone. God has given us a community to belong to, a family to be a part of, um, and, and they also play a part in that the Holy Spirit is working in other people. Like, we can actually trust the Holy Spirit to be yeah. working in those around us. And so as we grow in relationship with one another um, and we 
we become more vulnerable uh, and and transparent with one another, they're able to see those areas of our life that don't conform to the image of God uh, or into the likeness of Christ. And they they play an important part in uh, in growing into um, the likeness of Jesus. Well said, my friend. So we know that's that's a wordy definition, but it's really good. Um, again, I'll read it again. The holistic process of becoming a disciple of Jesus, becoming like him through the person of the Spirit, by the guidance of God's Word, and with one another. And that's in that handout. Um, so... As you mentioned, the word discipleship is not in the scriptures, but the word disciple is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission is to go make disciples, um, to baptize and to teach. Uh, So who then is a disciple? Is this... Is this some sort of special class of Christian? You know, you've got maybe non-believers, general believers, and then like these... (laughs) mercenary disciples who are sort of yeah the special forces yeah is that right or what who is a disciple uh first uh the yeah that is that is absolutely wrong um a disciple is anyone uh who responds to jesus and decides to follow him as their lord and their god uh, I think the most concise way of thinking about a disciple, as far as the definition goes, comes from Matthew 4.19, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, and he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it's a really simple phrase, uh, but as you unpack it, you realize just the profound implications of it. There's um, the element of knowing and being known by Jesus, uh, there's to love and like Jesus, um, and and those are two very distinct things. Um, and you you I mean you you can look at the handout and you'll see kind of the way that I unpack this. Um, but but in that short phrase, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. There's uh, there's an element of of knowing and being known of being committed to being changed by Jesus. They're becoming fishers of men. They, they didn't start out as fishers of men. Um, they're, they're committing to being changed by Jesus and they're committed to his mission, which is to make more disciples, mm-hmm. um, to seek and save the lost, to make all things new. Awesome. Tell me if you agree. When I think about discipleship and kind of the, the conversation in, in broader Christianity, I, I see sort of two two ditches that emerge. Um, the first is some people view this discipleship process as for what we just mentioned, like the spiritually elite. Maybe it's the pastor. Maybe it's the pastors. Maybe it's the elders of a local church. Um, but it's it's maybe it's the church program. It's what the professionals and what they determine for a community is discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. The other is it's sort of this one-on-one individualistic or maybe, you know, one-on-two, one-on-three, whatever, super small group focused curriculum based programmatic thing that if, and someone would say, okay, well, if you're not doing this particular program or in this particular kind of relationship, doing this particular kind of thing, you're not doing discipleship. Um, and and nothing else is contributing to what we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems to me that 
the problem is not with either of those things. The problem is the ex- is saying exclusively that one of them is the whole mm-hmm. deal. Um, I would I would want to say discipleship is both a whole church activity. It's everything. It's what the pastors do on Sunday. It's what people leading small groups do. It's what um, it's everything that happens in a local church. Hopefully, is contributing to discipleship. Mm-hmm. But then it's also this intentional burden that each believer should feel to actually be intentional with those around them and do something with the people in their sphere of influence. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, my, my experience is, is pretty limited. I've really only been a part of two churches. Um, and, and, and my experience in the first church was very much uh, a holistic process where I mean, I was learning about Jesus on a Sunday. I was worshiping Jesus on a Sunday. I was serving Jesus and my community on a Sunday. But then throughout the week, you know, I I would go and refinish a boat with one of the pastors, and he would ask me about my life and ask me uh, how I was growing, what I was learning, how I was relating to Jesus. Um, I would serve with the broader Church of Portland community, uh, and so it was the whole thing. Um, but like you've got way more experience in in church and churches, and I'm curious like what your experience was as like the whole church kind of thing versus the uh, the other, or was it more of a holistic thing? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I don't have that much more experience in churches than. Oh, you. you're a two church guy I'm too. A two church guy too. Yes. I, uh, by the time my family really committed to church when I was a kid, um, we ended up at a church that I largely grew up in from about seventh grade on. And I eventually came on staff at that church and was there until we moved to Portland. And after a season of church shopping, we landed at Door of Hope. So anyway, I don't have much, I don't have any wider experience than you do, <laughs> but uh, I'll speak to that church. It's called Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas. And it's a wonderful church. And I, I think they, they, did this well also they they had a high premium on leveraging both the the church structure and individual relationships. The teaching was solid there were plenty of opportunities to be involved in small groups um, outreach service opportunities et cetera et cetera that all contributed but then there was a high value on people taking um, responsibility for investing in those around them and so so much of the life of the church was happening around early morning breakfasts out out around hmm. town um, with Bibles open, people inviting one another into their homes, the kind of same thing you mentioned, working on a boat or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just saw that and personally benefited from it a lot. And I'd say that was, for me, it was often in the context of small groups, joining small groups, hmm. my small group leaders taking me out individually, spending time, having me over to their house, um, and then when I was asked to step into that leadership, that's what was modeled for me. And so that's what I tried yeah. to do with the students that were kind of under my care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's been really influential. What was the, uh, like the one-on-one relationship for you like? They, they looked different ways with different people. There, were, there was a particular leader that um, it was very informal, you know, the times that we'd spend together. It was kind of what you described, like, how, how's your walk? here's what I'm learning and I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Can we pray together? And then I had other older men that would want to work through a particular book or mm. some curriculum um, for a more limited, more limited in scope. Say so we're going to do this for 10 weeks and then 
I want you to go do this with someone else. Um, mm-hmm. And I benefited from both of those. I think, I think the value of that was that no one was arguing like, hey, and if you don't do this this <laughs> way forever, you're, you're not contributing to the, to the Great Commission. Right. That was helpful for me. Yeah. I, as we go further down, we, we hit on those three, three things. Uh, the intentionality mm-hmm. of pursuing others uh, has to be intentional. If, if we're not um, being intentional, uh, accidental disciples uh, can be rather messy. Yeah. Um, but it also has to be relational. It can't be uh, um, mechanical. P- it, people are organic beings yeah. that require we're made for a relationship yeah. and it has to repeat. Um, it doesn't have to repeat in the same way, although it often does. Um, but, but if we're not multiplying, uh, then we're ultimately not reproducing and, and disciples reproduce. Yeah. I think that's really well said. So let's, let's take just a second and look at the, the whole church side of discipleship. And so, uh, I think it's really important to remember when Jesus defines discipleship in Matthew 28, he says there's, there's, a, there's a conversion side. There's the evangelistic, seeing new people, leading new people into um, a saving relationship with Jesus, that they're baptized into the community. And then there's the teaching them to obey all that he's commanded, which, gosh, that's a task. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a huge task. And, and you quickly see how that, that out, outpaces the scope of what any one person is capable of. And so when I just think about Door of Hope, I think of the Sunday gatherings and what happens there. You've got the Word of God being preached. Um, we, have, we have great, we have Josh and as well as you, Tom, and other great people who know the Scriptures well and, and can exposit them well for us. We worship together through song and service. We... Um, Gosh, people find opportunities, yeah, to serve others in the community on Sunday. And there's the whole children's ministry that's focused on discipling these little Mm -hmm. minds and hearts toward Jesus. So there's tons of other things that are happening, of course. But simply by showing up on Sunday, finding a place to serve, um, being open to the experience, worshiping sincerely, listening intently, that is a major part of discipleship. Mm. But then, like... Uh, there's all sorts of stuff that happens outside of Sunday that's a bit more structured. Mm-hmm. So talk about some of those things. Yeah, I, I mean, there's outreach ministry, there's community groups and Bible studies and midweek services, um, training events, uh, I mean, meeting with pastors, and, and and then just like your personal devotional time. All of these things contribute uh, and are an important part of following Jesus and becoming like him. Um, so, so like with our outreach partners, uh, these are opportunities for you to, uh, to actually partner with God in his kingdom work, uh, to, to be a part of his mission. Uh, and that's a really profound thing. And I think that we grow, a lot uh, when we um, w- when we look like Jesus, when we do what Jesus does. Uh, so Jesus came to be a servant, not to be served. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus cares immensely for the marginalized, uh, for the vulnerable, and for us to become like Jesus means that we're going to become servants, 
and it's going to mean that we care about the things he does. And the reality is, is that some people in our culture and our society matter less than others. Mm. And so our work is to serve the people that, uh, that our culture doesn't. Our work is to, uh, to ascribe dignity to those who have been told they, they don't matter. And, um, and, and so we do that through faithful friends with, uh, kid mentoring. We do that through skate church, uh, with proclaiming the gospel to, to kids on the margin. Um, we do that through, uh, refugee care collective for people that are coming out of like intense trauma and we do that through uh, first image uh, with moms who are actually women who are are potentially going to become moms and are facing that choice of um, what do I do with this unexpected pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do that through first image with dads too, who like didn't know their their girlfriend was going to keep a baby mm-hmm. that they hadn't planned on. Um, we work with uh, um, Portland Rescue Mission for a huge population in Portland. The homeless population is uh, just exploding. And uh, in a, a variety of contexts, we get to be a part of these these lives uh, in a really profound way. Uh, with community groups, um, you, and you can serve alone, but more powerfully you can serve with your community, whether it's your friends or your community yeah. group. Um, and, and through community throughout the week, that I mean, discipleship happens when people gather around the scriptures to learn, to pray together, to share um, their lives, to share a meal, um, to serve one another, to share, to have all things in common. Yeah. There are all kinds of activities that the church is doing, big group, small group, this kind of gathering, that kind of gathering, that we hope each of them are contributing to the discipleship of the people of Door of Hope. Um, they're all meeting a different need. They're all training our people, coaching our people, developing our people in different ways to embrace different parts of this holistic call to follow Jesus. And uh, it's really important to remember that discipleship is happening as this whole church activity. But as we mentioned earlier, sometimes that that fact can um, obscure the fact also that discipleship is an individual responsibility. It, it falls to every person who follows Jesus to go and help make other disciples, to bring them into the family and to train them up to follow after Jesus holistically. And so talk a bit about that. What does discipleship as an individual's responsibility look like? I think the first thing to remember is that uh, we are, while we may be working independently, uh, practically, we are working together as a whole church body. And so what you do as a person is being replicated throughout the community. And so you're part of a team. And, uh, And also, it's important to remember that whether... Um, you are working with a baby disciple who knows that Jesus loves them and that's about it mm-hmm. to you know, somebody that's been following faithfully for 80 years. Uh, the Holy Spirit is at work in that person's life yeah. and in yours. And you, you can trust the Holy Spirit because 
as much as uh, you may love this person and want the best for them, you, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit wants to love this person more and cares for them more. Um, so I think those are the first two things to remember is to trust God and to trust that this is not necessarily an individual loner, Lone Ranger kind of experience. Uh, with that being said, I think there's three things that are important to remember, and that is uh, that you need to be intentional, uh, you need to pursue, you need to uh, invite people to be a part of your life. Uh, my experience with um, a pastor at River West in Lake Oswego was that he invited me to be a part of his life, which included serving throughout the week, which included showing up to his Bible study, which included watching uh, Lawman with Steven Seagal, <laughs> classic film. Classic discipleship tool. Uh, yeah, there. total classic move. Um, <laughs> it also included like refinishing a boat and going shopping for groceries. It was just an invitation to be a part of his life. And yeah. uh, some of it I said yes to, some of it I didn't, but there was an intentionality behind it. It was really powerful and really compelling um, because in that relationship, I got to see uh, what Jesus looked like in another person. Mm. And so uh, you need to be intentional, but you also need to be relational. Uh, people are not projects, and God does not view us as, as projects, um, but he loves us. Uh, he wants deep relationship with us. And so there's a relational environment where discipleship happens, on that, uh, that individual level. And, and finally, there's that reproduction uh, mind of uh, we, we are aiming for reproducing. We want to be spiritual parents. God populates his kingdom not through procreation, but through regeneration, uh, through uh, conversion. And so to make and grow disciples uh, does have... Uh, a never-ending relay race uh, ahead of it. I don't know if that's saying that right, but... Um, I like it. Cool. I'll allow it. Thanks. <laughs> um, you can't see it if you're listening, unless you have the PDF pulled up, but uh, whether now or later, you should give it a glance. Um, Tom has included this little chart that comes from, I believe... Uh, Church as a team sport or real life discipleship? I, I think it's in both of them. Probably. Um, Jim, both Jim Putman books. Great books. Um, and w what it has is basically a, it's a circle and it's kind of a life cycle of a disciple of Jesus. Um, and it, it kind of uses parenting or, or a human life cycle, I should say, as its metaphor. So you start with someone who's, who's dead, uh, spiritually dead, haven't been born yet, so to speak. They're born again. They, they come to trust Jesus Christ for salvation. They're regenerated. They're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and they begin the life of growing as his follower, as his disciple. But they begin just as a, a spiritual infant. Um, and so they just need basic truth shared with them. As they grow, they become a child. You know, they're older than an infant, but they still really just need connection. They need to be it connected with people who are more mature than them, um, just to continue to learn and soak up um, the gospel and its implications. Um, eventually, they turn into a young adult um, where they begin to take on ministry responsibility of their own. They can share in the ministry of those uh, who've 
a bit older and wiser than them in the faith. And then eventually the goal is that they'd become a parent, a parent uh, where they would be reproducing disciples of their own, where they could take someone from spiritual death, lead them into spiritual life, take those who are immature, take children, infants, and help shepherd them into adulthood and eventually parenthood themselves. I just think that's a really good metaphor. What it does is it reminds us that each person at each stage of development needs something unique to Mm -hmm. that stage. Um, It's not one size fits all. And so part of the task of discipling another person is identifying where is this person in this process. Once you have a decent grip on that, you can begin to tailor how you interact with them toward what they need. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask one more thing. In your own life right now, and you don't have to name people specifically, but what what are you doing in the realm of discipleship? What is discipling others looking like for you where you find yourself right now? It's almost January 2017. Mm-hmm. What are you up to? Uh, any male that I meet with gets an invitation to be a part of my life. Um, they get an invitation to be a part of my Bible study on Thursday mornings. Um, and out of, out of that, uh, flows the invitation to deeper relationship. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go watch the disaster artist this Friday at cinema 21. <laughs> it's going to be epic. Uh, and some guys from the Bible study are going to show up uh, when I go out into the hills for a hike or to go fishing. I invite people to come along. Um, when I have spare time, people are invited to be a part of it. And and that's just a context. It's a relational context where I get to, to show people who Jesus is, uh, to have intentional conversations about um, what I'm learning, what I'm passionate about. I mean, The Good God is a, a perfect example. That book uh, has meant a lot to me in the last three months. And so it's what I've been talking about, the very nature and character of God. Uh, and, and that pops up in line for the disaster artist. Like, we're going to talk about the Trinity. Uh, and, and and it's and not and dry th- and dusty. thoroughly annoy everyone that's around you in line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe not. Like, uh, I, I saw The Room um, on Sunday with my friend Chris, um, and we were talking about the Trinity, and some people asked questions about it. Wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what it looks like. A, a wide invitation to deeper relationship and friendship, um, in the things that I'm already engaged in, um, uh, for the purpose of growing together into, uh, full maturity as followers of Jesus. Yeah. So good, man. What about you? Yeah. Similar, similar in some ways, you know, a, uh, a big relational context for me is community group at door of hope. And so Susanna and I have been leading groups, more or less nonstop since we've been a part of Door of Hope. And that becomes kind of the first, that first realm of relational intimacy. Of course, we have close friendships at the church and outside the church beyond our community group. But in terms of real intentional ministry, that's kind of a central hub for us. And then I've just extended the invitation to all the men there um, to deeper relationship and a more intimate context. And so we have kind of a time on Tuesday mornings for anyone who's part of that group that wants to come. There are also other men that I've uh, encountered that I've invited into that. 
Um, and so it's a few guys from community group, a few other, a few other guys. And we just try to be intentional about our walks with Jesus. We try to read good Christian books together, uh, study the Bible together, pray together. Um, and then from there, exactly like you said, try to try to invite those guys into the contours of life beyond that. Have them over to the house for dinner. Um, you know, try to invite people over when I'm home with my baby on Fridays and hang out and, you know, let them see me fumble around as a parent and all those things. But so it's very similar. Yeah, I think one of the the challenges is uh, is is friendship. Um, yeah. You know, when when we're talking about kind of the the power differential of folks that are, um, you know, maybe in the spiritual baby or, uh, child phase, it's, it's easy to see yourself as somebody that's engaging in discipleship. But when you're hanging out with your buddy on a Friday night at, yeah, the disaster artist, um, we can often be less intentional. And I think it's important to remember that we grow together and sometimes that's peer-to-peer relationships. And you can see on the the little chart there that uh, we don't ever stop needing uh, to be discipled and yeah. to disciple one another. Uh, as we grow in maturity, w- we need different things, but we still need relationship. We still need people encouraging us we still need to uh, encourage one another into greater and greater uh, uh, maturity and relationship with Jesus. All right. Well, we're about out of time. I want to ask one final question, and I don't think we have time for you to turn it around on me, so mm. I'm just going to leave uh, tricky. We'll leave it with tricky you. Tricky cam. But for someone listening, you know, who's presumably leading in some ministry at Door of Hope, what is just one kind of bit of challenge or inspiration or encouragement that you'd like to leave them with as it relates to them as disciple makers? I think probably the biggest barrier to intentional discipleship is uh, is time. We often think we don't have the time to do this. And I would just challenge you to look at the areas of your life where you can invite somebody to be a part of it. Uh, if you love reading books and you do that at the same time every day, uh, pick one day a week where you get together and meet up with somebody to talk about the books you're reading. If you love reading the Bible, like I mean, I started started my Bible study because I get up every morning and read my Bible, and and I need to do that with other people. And so one day a week, I get up at the same time I always do, but now I read it with other people. And I would encourage you to find those things that you're doing that you could make room for others in and then see where that relationship goes, see where you can take it. Um, and and, and I, I would promise you, like, as you grow with others, uh, you, you will notice that you grow uh, in your enjoyment of the Lord, uh, your experience of, of his love for you, and, and you'll be entering into the adventure of, of the kingdom. Well said, my friend. Well, that's it. Uh, Tom, thanks for your time. Thanks yeah. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks man. Thanks for serving our church in all the ways that you do. Likewise. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. There will be more of these. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.